today we are here with Steven. Let's get down to business, to creating magic podcasts. That's what I got. <laughs> and Mari. Hi. First off, I do want to say that I am so glad that Steven did that because that was probably one of my most favorite things from like the original episodes. <laughs> I love the new music, but I really do miss Steven's random singing. It's probably my fave. I thought you were going to say that was one of your favorite things from the original Mulan. I was like, well, it couldn't have been one of your favorite things from the new Mulan because it wasn't in the new Mulan. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the new Mulan for that specific reason. I'm a little just, scared. Just imagine the original Mulan minus all the racist tropes and all the music. And that's what you got. And it's not animated. Okay. And you lose a few characters. And there's a weird sexual relationship between this bird woman and Mulan. I'm just sad that there's no Mushu. Like, poor Mushu. <laughs> to kick this off, let's start with your house, favorite character, and Patronus. Um, I'm a Hufflepuff. My favorite character is Sirius. Absolutely love Sirius. Second favorite character. Um, I'm going to say Draco. I know that that's probably controversial, but whatever. Um, and then my Patronus. Hang on, I'm trying to find it. Um, see, I told you I was kind of prepared. It's some type of a squirrel. It's a gray squirrel. Not sure what a gray squirrel differs from any other squirrel, but that's what I got. What is it about, I guess, first Sirius, but then also Draco? What What is it about those characters that you identify with, appreciate, enjoy, whatever, um, adverb, I believe is the correct grammatical phrase. Adverbs? They're adverbs, right, Danny? Yeah. I look, there's adjectives. I look, <laughs> I think it's an adverb. It's whatever. What is it about those characters that make you say that they are your favorite? Um, I've always loved Sirius. I don't remember what first drew me to him, but he's always been one of my favorite characters. Um, when I finally got to read um, the fifth book, I had to borrow it from a friend and I just happened to get into an argument with this friend the same night that they let me borrow it. And after the handoff, after the exchange, yelled across the parking lot, Sirius dies and I bawled. So I don't know why I love Sirius. I just love him so much. Um, I'm trying to go back through a reread to kind of see like what sparked that. Um, but he's always been been my go-to. He's Bay. Um, as far as Draco, um, I don't think he was a favorite when I first read the series. Um, now that I've gotten older um, and reconnecting with the series, I feel like there was a lot that there's a lot more to his character than we get, obviously, in the movies. Um, but I feel like he's his character, I just, I fell in love with that redemption arc, I think is, is why he's my favorite. Where did your personal Harry Potter journey begin? How did this series first come into your life? Um, so like a lot of people, um, read it as a child. Um, I believe there's some type of reading program. I think a lot of schools did it. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but you read a book, you take a test, you get points. And after so many points, you get a free pizza. Um, I chose Harry Potter because it was one of the bigger books on the list, which means it had more points. 
which means you got a free pizza quicker. Um, and then I kind of have a little bit of a addictive OCD personality that as soon as I read the first one, I had to keep reading. Like I needed that resolution needed to know what happens next. Um, so yeah, I think I was in like the third grade when I read the first book and that just got me hooked, um, hooked on the books. Um, always had to wait for them to come out, um, wait in line on the wait list at the library. Um, never owned my own set of books until I was in college. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I fell in love with the story, um, fell in love with the characters. Um, once the movie started coming out, um, started going and seeing the movies. Um, I remember the, um, faith movie seven part two going uh, with a group of friends from college and just actually I remember both seven part one and seven part two going with friends from college. And that was kind of like my first reintroduction to the series. Cause after I read the books, I mean, they're a great book series, um, kind of hard to reread them unless you just have a lot of time on your hands. Um, especially when you're in college and doing other curricular activities, but, um, got re got reconnected at that point, um, and kind of rekindled that flame, re refound that love of Harry Potter. Um, and then just kind of, it kind of fell away. It was still always there. Um, but about a year and a half ago, um, discovered the online community, a friend of mine on the Disney side of things introduced me to the Disney community and I just kind of thought, oh, hark, I bet that there's a Harry Potter community. I don't, can't even tell you who the first person I found was, but Instagram has that whole, like, if you follow this person, you may like that person. And then within like a day and a half, I was following like 20 different Harry Potter accounts and just kind of got sucked in from there. Um, I believe this was December of 2018, January, 2019. So seeing everybody post about Uncelebration, I was just kind of like in awe of it. I was like, that's so cool. Like just kind of an outsider looking in. Um, and then I saw everybody posting about this new hag ride. And my first thought was, that's going to be crazy. The lines are going to be ridiculous. I don't want to go and spend hours in line to do this ride. And the closer it got, seeing more people post, seeing more people got their hotel, got their, you know, cosplay going. I just really, really had FOMO. So I bought an annual pass, booked a flight two weeks before Hagride, and flew to Orlando for Hagride. Ended up being in line. I was one of those stupid people, not stupid people. I was one of those people who made the silly mistake of sleeping in so I didn't get in line until like, I don't know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, all the way at the back. If you've been to Universal, I started out by Hulk and I was in line for 13 hours. So I missed the Potter Girls meetup, uh, Simply Potter Girls meetup. I missed meeting everybody at the front of the line and all their crazy cosplays. Um, but I did get to meet up with a couple of them the next day, ran into them in uh, Diagon Alley and so... I think that's where my Potter journey kind of restarted officially where I am today. So there's a lot of things in there that I am sure we're going to break down. I'll pick out 
I'll cherry pick three things quickly, two of which hold very little relevance to this conversation, one of which Daniel will get us back on track. First is on the note of Instagram suggesting followers. Um, I, the other day, like two days ago, Instagram told me to go follow a nice man by the name of Jim Haft, aka Papa Haft, aka Iana Haft's father. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listeners, go back, subscribe to Creating Magic, and listen for the full run. We did an episode with Iana and Amy where we talked about Papa Haft. I believe at least three of the four of us, probably all four of us, were drunk during that conversation. So <laughs> probably was a good one. Second, on the note of book clubs that motivate people to eat pizza. Little sneak peek for the listeners here. Danny and I have been talking a lot about how we can grow the podcast heading into year two of its run. Danny, maybe one thing we can do is have a book club where no matter the result, I get free pizza. I am so on board for that. But then the third point, which is the only relevant point, is you mentioned not own, not owning any of the books yourself until you were in college. But you also said you're someone with an addictive personality. And as someone who has an addictive personality, right? Yeah, never mind just rereading the books obsessively over and over growing up, but also just having them and calling them my own. Like that that meant a lot to me. Can you talk about the emotions you felt once you finally did have your own set? Well, when I say I bought my first set, um, let's kind of asterisk that. Um, it wasn't just one set of books. I went on Barnes and Noble and bought both the paperback copy and the hardback copy because I can't have the paperback without having the hardback. And if I have the hardback, I'm like, I want to have the paperback so I can read it and not feel like I'm ruining the hardback. So when I first got it, um, I purchased a a paperback and a hardback copy. Since then, I now have um, all the books on my Kindle. Um, I have started uh, purchasing the illustrated editions. Um, I've been holding off on the house Uh, special editions because again addictive personality I would start off with the Hufflepuff but then I would be like well I need the other houses too um so I've holding off on that um but then yeah the with the um, Wizarding World coming out with the gold subscription I now have them all on my phone as well because I bought the gold subscription so I have like I don't even know how many copies of the books now so I think it more than made up for it (laughs) Have you ventured into audiobooks yet? I have not. It's on my list. Um, I used to have all the soundtracks. Love the music for the movies, um, but I had an issue with my computer and it crashed, and so I lost all those. Um, but that is hopefully going to get all of those back sometime soon. Would like to get the audiobooks. Um, and then, yeah, have all the movies. So, Danny, do I get the audiobooks as part of Wizarding World Gold or anything because I've got a drive coming up and I could really use some some good content because right now all I've got is like this what my friend Jordan who I love uh, described as her sad boy playlist and she's introduced me to that type of music and that's what I'm gonna listen to on this like 13 hour drive so I don't know how that's gonna go do I get the audiobooks anywhere I can get you the audiobooks through my account Because I don't know how long the whole sad music thing is going to go. So at this point, you've been to the parks multiple times because you're now a pass holder. Where are you coming from? I feel like I know, but I want to verify. Oh, yes. So I actually listened to an episode recently. And for some reason, Stephen thinks I live in Maine. I don't. 
I don't know where I got that from, but in my head, you live in Maine, and I have no rationale for why that's the case. No, I do not. I am currently in the Midwest. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, that's not even close. It's way off. What? <laughs> no, really? Yes. So do you have that cold front right now? Yeah, I actually opened my windows, and it's been nice getting a little bit of that fall weather. Where the hell? He's, like, so floored right now. <laughs> I just, usually I'm able to, even in my own kind of just bizarre logic, I'm able to follow the path back to, like, the root cause and understand where I'm getting it from, even if it's completely illogical. But this one I have no rhyme or reason for. Yeah, when I heard you say that Maddie, I think she's in Maine, I was like, that's that's interesting. I've never wow. been to Maine. Well, it, I, you know, they got some lobsters and a and an LL Bean store. <laughs> and Lex, Lex, Lex is there. So, I'm not opposed that. to going and visiting. Just haven't yet. They're, they have a thing with blueberries up there. I remember that. I spent a summer working at a summer camp in the lakes in Maine, like rural Maine, um, which is a whole other adventure. But, well, yeah, they used to bus us in the town every two weeks to kind of give us the day off after being underpaid counselors for the summer. And Maine has a thing with blueberries. I, you know, that's really all I got. So riveting content this week on Creating Magic Podcast. <laughs> Back to the parks. Omaha has got a thing with steaks. Yeah, and we do. Little League Baseball, or College Baseball. College Baseball. Little League is Pennsylvania. College is Omaha. Mm-hmm. Steaks and baseball, so that's pretty cool. I've never been to Nebraska. See, Danny, You're we're hitting all the dynamics. Much. We got we got the liberal left with Maine and blueberries. We got the hardcore, well, probably not many conservatives listening to this. We got the hardcore central centrists <laughs> with Omaha steaks and baseball. We're, we're, we're hitting all the angles today. All the angles. And then Danny in the South with the parks. And the Gators. And the Gators. So there's some conservative pull because conservatives love Gators. (laughs) I will take your word for it. The conservatives are... Look, liberal people tend to understand that Gators can rip your head off. And so you don't go, like, wrangle a Gator. When you see Florida man attacks Gator... Those tend to be the more ideologically conservative folk, which is not an indictment of their ideological conservatism. It's an indictment of their logical decision-making to go wrestle a gator. What about adults that name gators? I'm fine with gators being named, whatever. Just don't try to go touch one. Like, you can name all the lions at the zoo. Don't go try to pet the thing. Back to the parks again. (laughs) Since I know you've been quite a few times and you've obviously ridden Hag Ride at this point, what are some of your favorite aspects within the parks? So the first few times that I went, it was all Harry Potter. Um, I would pretty much spend all day in Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade. I would beeline to both those um, areas of the parks and then I would ride the train back and forth and that would be it. Um, 
So I'm sure that the rest of the parks have other great things. Um, I've started venturing out over the last couple of trips. Um, but yeah, it's the, the wizarding world is, is where it's at for me. Um, I think my favorite part of the wizarding world is just like the ambiance. Um, whenever you leave, you know, Universal Islands of Adventure and you enter into those designated areas into Diagon Alley, into Hogsmeade, and you can hear the music, it's just, it's the music that takes me back. Um, I have a degree in music, and so it's a, music is very important to me. It's, um, it's like a, it's like a language that you don't have to um really speak to convey emotion and to convey thought and so that is probably my biggest thing about both of those areas is just the music um and then you get all of the little details with um with the sites and the team members and it's just i i just i love it Do you have a favorite wizarding candy or treat from the parks? Like if someone was going and could only get one thing in the wizarding world to eat or enjoy, what is that item? So I'm not a huge fan of chocolate. I had like a traumatizing experience as a kid and I just, chocolate is not one of my go-tos. Um, so everyone likes chocolate frogs because of the cards. And so I've started, again, that kind of addictive personality. I got one chocolate frog just to have it. And then it was like, oh, I have to start collecting them. So I probably have three chocolate frogs in my fridge right now just because I don't eat the chocolate or I don't eat it like that quickly or I'm just not like, oh, I think I'm going to take a bite out of a giant chocolate frog. Um I think the birdie bots are, are probably my favorite. Maybe. Before we get to Steven, because his hand has been up. If you're ever making brownies, just melt down those frogs and mix it in the batter. Good to know. I might have to try that. Steven, who has patiently raised his hand for that whole section. <laughs> as soon as you said, not a fan of chocolate. Look, we can cut this out if you don't want to go there. But what, how, how is chocolate, what, what could have possibly happened that made chocolate traumatizing? Like, were you eating a Hershey's bar and then saw, like, your dog get run over? Like, what? Oh, I, I just, like, I was traumatized by coffee, so I, I'm okay with you. Like, clowns traumatize kids or gators to bring it back to the earlier convo if Danny doesn't cut that out uh, chocolate <laughs> okay so traumatize is probably not the best way of describing it I have an aversion to chocolate okay. to plain chocolate I can't do plain chocolate because um in the 90s because I'm closer to Danny's age um pop was all the rage pop music was all the rage you you know whatever. Um, and there was also this really cool chocolate product called shell syrup. You put it on your ice cream and it hardens and then you can crack it, whatever. I was at a friend's house. We had a slumber party. We probably ate half of the bottle of the chocolate shell combined with carbonated beverages 
and then jumping up and down, dancing to 90s boy bands. At like two, three in the morning, my stomach did not agree with me and all of that chocolate came back up. So ever since then, the, the taste of chocolate, like I, I can't do regular Hershey's. I can't do uh, plain M&M's. Um, I've, I've been able to get back into like peanut M&M's and like Reese's and Snickers, something that has another taste flavor with it. But plain chocolate is, is a no-go for me. And that is totally cool. Look, we're totally <laughs> on board. Traumatized by chocolate just had me, I, I was, <laughs> I was envisioning like, like you sitting there eating chocolate, like, like baby Harry eating chocolate in the crib. If he had like a bar of chocolate while Voldemort killed his parents. <laughs> right. Like uh, my mind. No, it was not that of, bad. All right, cool. cool Traumatizing cool, cool. is probably the not word. Aversion is probably a more accurate description. Do you eat the birdie bots beans? Cause they freak me out. I can't do it. Well, they're also not like high quality. Like, no shots at the universal candy makers, but, like, they're not making gourmet jelly beans, if those even are a thing. They're just, you know. So, I really like Jelly Belly, which is not universal, but I guess I kind of, like, equate the two in my head. So, I like Birdie Bots, but I typically eat Jelly Belly beans. That's acceptable. I was just... They freak me out a lot. <laughs> I, I own them, but it's because the box is pretty. Yeah. Probably why it, I own most of the candy from the Wizarding World is mm-hmm. the display. Yep. I bought the peppermint toads as a Christmas gift for my mother because she really likes dark chocolate. And as soon as she opened them, I said, great, let's open them up. You get to keep the chocolate. I get to keep the box. So she appreciated that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> One of the things that you had mentioned before we hit record was that you went and re-listened to our episodes, which listening once seems insane. Listening twice seems unfathomable. What, and like, I'm not asking this as like a way for you just to like talk about like how great we are. I'm really not doing that. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm genuinely curious because for as long as this podcast has been around, it feels like you've, you've been one of the more engaged listeners, I mean, obviously you're a friend to us, but I'll call you a listener just for the sake of this conversation, right? You've been one of the more engaged people. I'm curious why I, again, I'm not looking, I'm not asking like for, for kind of an ego boost here. I'm genuinely asking like, when you see the podcast appear in your feed each week, like what, what is it about this that makes you keep coming back? So I feel like um, creating uh, magic started, I think, was it January, February? It was right before COVID hit. Um, and I think I found, again, people, of you know, share things and that's kind of how you get, get to know different, um, Instagrammers, different people on the pod, different people in the community. Um, and I remember somebody sharing that Creating Magic was going to get started and they had recorded an episode and they couldn't wait for it to come out. Um, and so I think that's how I originally found you guys, um, outside of, you know, following you individually. Um, and I think I listened to maybe one or two episodes, but I was in the process of trying to pack and get ready to move. I was moving to a new apartment kind of down the road. Oh, you weren't moving from Maine? (laughs) No. Literally, 
literally from my current apartment, I can kind of look across the street and down the hill and I can see my old apartment. Two different complexes, but yeah, it was a it was a grand move, like literally right around the block. Um, but I was trying to pack and needed something to kind of get my mind off things, you know, keep me entertained while putting things in boxes. And I just kind of binged, binge podcasts and um, listened to all of the Creating Magic. And what I like about Creating Magic is that I know all these people from Instagram, but listening to the podcast, it feels like I'm becoming friends with them even more because I'm listening in onto your conversation with all of these people. And so I feel like um, it's a, it's a two-way conversation between creating magic and whoever the guest is, but then I, fa- I feel like I'm kind of a, um, third-party participant because something will get said and I'll think, oh, that's, you know, a cool way of, you know, whatever conversation way that it's going, or, you know, I agree with that person or, eh, I probably wouldn't think about it that way. Um, so it kind of, keeps me engaged with people and helping me make more friends, so to speak. Um, and then since COVID happened and everyone's quarantine, um, it's kind of been a way to socialize in a weird way every week. On the note of making friends because of this incredible podcast. Also, let me say, I noticed that you said you like that. You feel like you're getting to know people, not that you love. I'm just saying, um, (laughs) No, but I, <laughs> I feel like, are you going to nitpick every word I say? Hang on. Let me, let me pause. No, 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 I do have, I do have a genuine comment where I'm taking this irrespective of that little diversion. One of, uh, not going to lie. One of the things I am most proud of that I don't think is a direct result of this podcast so much as just a direct result of, of my knowing you and, and my knowing my friend Alana is you actually got to meet one of our other podcast guests, one of my friends, um, in real life. Can you talk about that? Yes, it was so fun getting to meet her. Funny, The funny part being that I have not met you in real life, Stephen, but I met your friend in real life. And I think that was the best part was, hey, she was like, hey, you're, you're Stephen's friend. I'm like, well, technically I've never met him. But yes, I think we're friends. <laughs> Look, the, le- the 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 fewer times you meet me, the better friends I most likely am to people. I it's just I'm taxing. <laughs> I am. I, I wear. I don't on know. People. I don't know. I I I enjoy people of all types, and the fact that you're a Hufflepuff means that we have like that kindred spirit anyway, and we have to tag team and stay together. <laughs> But yes, it was fun. It was very fun getting to meet her, um, getting to make a new friend. Um, I I appreciate you for hooking us up. And um, I believe it was mentioned on one of the episodes about how we sent you um, a picture of the, of us hanging out. And it was, it was quite, it was, it was quite a fun day, but I think that moment when um, Alana sent you that picture, we kind of had a brief little conversation about it was, it was, that was gold. Yeah. I, to, to your point about, and I, and I don't certainly do not want to make it exclusive to this podcast because there are tons of incredible ways that people are out there during this pandemic building community and having a virtual social life. Um, 
But I think you're absolutely right that throughout this pandemic podcast in general, but of course our podcast, because it's, well, the one that I'm hosting slash the one that is objectively the best, um, have really done a lot to, to bring people together and build community and feel like you're with people, even if you're not physically there. Um, and so, you know, I mean, y'all were physically together at Universal, but getting that photo was like such a, not proud for me personally, just like I felt, I felt like I was there, right? To your point, I felt like I was included. It was like, oh my gosh, like, like this happened and it's real. Um, and it, 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 it definitely was a pretty high watermark moment for, for me during the pandemic. So far, um, it's look so far, maybe I win the lottery in a couple months and you know, y'all have been eclipsed. I'm sorry, but. Um, oh, I was going to say you could buy me a plane ticket to Maine. Well, <laughs> I can finally pop- visit. I'm not sending you there unless you're moving there. Oh. Because if you visit, I'm still not correct that you live there. If you move there, then That's retroactively, true. I'm correct. Just think about it. You know, we got like 20 more minutes in this episode. So just, you know, ponder it. I don't, I don't see that happening in the next right. 20 minutes. No. All right, well. Since we've talked about the friendships of the Potterverse, I'm just wondering, because I know like my experience, and for the most part, I know Steven's experience of being a member of the community and meeting those people. And I was just like wondering like your thoughts on that, because like I know for me, like never thought to like make friends because of a book series that I read as a child. Like, and how has that been, like, with that community growing? Because now you've met people within that community. Because you said you were, you've been in that community, like, the Instagram mm-hmm. world for about a year now. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really thought about specifically having a Harry Potter friend group um, until it kind of presented itself. Um, I've always had friends with, you know, similar interests or, you know, differing interests, but, you know, we, we connect on some level. Um, but with, again, with Instagram, I kind of joined late, so to speak. Um, I've only been around for about a year, a year and a half. And at first I, you know, felt like I was just on the outside looking in, just observing, um, knowing people, seeing their posts, seeing their content, content. Um, it was just kind of like a, I don't want to say like an afterthought, but kind of like, a, oh, that's cool. Let me like it and keep scrolling. Um, but then when I actually did make it to a universal for the Hag ride um, and meeting some of those people um, the next day, um, it was kind of weird being like, hey, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> hey, I've commented on some of your posts um at first it was it it felt kind of weird to be like not having that screen as the meeting place but actually being in real life and um but everybody that I've met has been so genuine so nice um so open and so friendly and that that's kind of where it started um and then kind of kudos to you guys um, doing the, um, magic from home con. I feel like that kind of more so sparked my involvement in the Instagram community. Cause again, I was still kind of in the background liking posts, you know, commenting here and there. 
Um, I'd had a few like pseudo relationships with people um, just from comments and, you know, messaging back and forth. But I feel like ever since Magic from Home, um, it just kind of took off more because it gave us an opportunity to kind of interact um, in real time. Everybody was all together, either, you know, talking about one specific you know, conversation or doing the, um, I think there was a cosplay contest or cosplay uh, panel, different things like that, but actually getting to converse with people um, in that common ground within Instagram, it just kind of like took off from there. And I feel like, again, because of the podcast, getting to hear different people's takes on things, it's really helped get to befriend people. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I stress ate through that entire Magic from Hometown. <laughs> there was one point where I think we had some cosplay panel or something. Obviously, I wasn't involved in the planning or execution of that. So I I was right in the middle of packing up my Phoenix apartment and getting the hell out of Arizona because um, we did that right at the beginning of April, end of March. And I distinctly recall, it was like the middle of the day on like a Saturday or something. And I distinctly recall like where I used to live in Phoenix – like a mile up the road, there's a Taco Bell. And then about half a mile further, there's a KFC. And I kid you not, I went, I had like $15 worth of Taco Bell, was still feeling stressed out about some later panel or something, went to KFC, had KFC, came back home, felt like ass. And so it really was counterproductive. But I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And I'm glad that it was meaningful and impactful for you because I definitely... I put some years on my arteries. That Welcome to behind the scenes of a virtual con. I think that just makes the whole experience even better. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. <laughs> I don't know if me stuffing my my face with uh, saturated fats and carbohydrates is necessarily a sacrifice, but you're welcome. <laughs> All right, so the hard-hitting questions now because, well, you know, like this is really what we came here for. We have seen across the movies three different portrayals, and we're not including those weird Mirror of Erised flashback things, three portrayals of Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian, Dumbledore. We have seen Sir Richard Harris, we have seen, I believe he's knighted, but I don't like his performance, so I'm not going to give him his sir, Michael Gambon. And we have seen Jude Law. Please rank them for me from your favorite portrayal to your least favorite portrayal. I knew this question was coming. And this question has stressed me out since you guys first reached out. <laughs> And that was one of the things that I was re-listening for was everybody's answers and, and Steven's reaction to everybody. Please tell me you chose the answer that's going to make him freak out the most just because. No, no, but, that's not how we do things. People give their honest reaction and I give my assessment. This is not about appeasing the co-host. This is about <laughs> providing opinions and then either bracing for or embracing the co-host's reaction. There was no appeasing there. I want the opposite so that you get angry. Well, there's no, there's no uh, uh, gaslighting the co-host, Danny. This is about the guest, Danny, providing her honest opinion on the portrayals of Dumbledore, Danny. So please continue. <laughs> so having heard multiple people's responses and 
being able to formulate my answer based off of some of their answers that they've given, I am going to say, I'm going to steal some answers from some people. So Jude Law, it's kind of hard to rank him because he's only been in one movie so far. I know, I know exactly which guest you got that from. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and say it. I feel like a couple people have said it though. Probably, but the OG and Danny can fact check me was Carrie, yes. our good friend, the creator of ROR Apparel. Carrie is the OG. Yes. So it, it, it's a very valid, very valid uh, point because when you when you first ask the question, "Who's your favorite Dumbledore?" my mind immediately goes to Richard Harris or Michael Gaiman. It's just it it still doesn't register Jude Law. I mean, I know Jude Law plays Double Daddy, but. <laughs> And boy, does he. Thank you, Carrie. Oh, boy, does he. Goddamn. <laughs> but I, I'm, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to with the Fantastic Beast movies is seeing how, seeing how the story continues to grow and how it concludes, but as well as seeing how some of these characters are developing and how they're going to continue to be portrayed. So I, I can't really say Jude Law is the bottom, but I kind of remove him from my answer just because there's just not a lot of material there. As well as, I mean... I'm sorry, you went there, so now we're going to. You said that you can't rank Jude Law as a bottom. Does that therefore make Grindelwald a top? Uh, How does that work? Let's get into that. No, wouldn't it be the opposite? If he can't be the bottom, wouldn't that make Grindelwald the bottom? Oh, no, you're right, you're right. You're right. Does that make does that make Dumbledore a top and Grindelwald the bottom, which does not really seem like there are times where Dumbledore is described as having like a cold fury or like a passionate fury in his eye. We'll do we'll 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 do some analysis and research offline and come back to listeners in a future episode with our with our take on that. I am so sorry, Marty. Continue. Okay, I should have seen that one coming. Um, as far as the other two, um, I've thought about this, and I've listened to some of your rebuttals, so I kind of have rebuttals of my own. Um, I'm going to say, again, I can't, I can't rank them. It's very difficult to rank them, and I'm going to steal this answer from somebody else as well. Um, Michael Gambon is who we kind of grew up with because he was in a majority of the movies. So when you, when I think of Dumbledore, Dumbledore, Michael Gambon is the first person that I think of because he is who we have more screen time with. However, um, I think Richard Harris might have portrayed him the best in in the two movies that he did. Um, One of your rebuttals that I've heard um, is that you didn't think that Richard Harris would be able to do the um, Dumbledore versus Voldemort scene. But I recently rewatched the movies. Little side note, I finally got my parents to watch all the movies. I went and visited them a couple weeks ago, and we watched one through seven part two, once every night and it was probably one of the best things ever getting to introduce my parents to that so these movies are very fresh in my mind and having seen this scene knowing it was coming up i was like eyes moved to the screen can i imagine richard harris doing this and i'm gonna say yes i think richard harris could have done the dumbledore 
versus Voldemort scene um, in the ministry, because watching that scene, all Michael Gammon really does is stand there and kind of like wave his wand. And there's a lot of special effects. So if that's one of your kind of bullet points, I'm going to have to rebuttal it with, yes, I think that Richard Harris would have been able to do that scene. Yes, it's an epic fight scene, but there's a lot of camera angles and there's a lot of uh, special effects that kind of make it as epic as it was. So a couple things. I think it's totally fair to put an asterisk next to Jude Law in the way, well, this is not really a clean metaphor, but in the way that people put an asterisk next to like, JFK's presidency even, right? I think, boy, you have to be political to go where I'm about to go with this. But I think a lot of people uh, put JFK's legacy on a pedestal because of everything he stood for. But really all you got was a very abbreviated piece of his presidency. And so the majority of what he would have done as president never really came to bear. So with Jude Law, I think you're right. And I think Carrie's right. I think everyone who has said it is right. in that you have to wait and see. I also agree that the first Dumbledore I think of visually is Michael Gambon, because that is what we got Um, predominantly. To your point, this is, I was vamping while I was looking, I was doing my research, I was vamping just there. To your point about Richard Harris being able to do the battle scene, the, the, the duel in five. I mean, look, who's to say? I, obviously, we don't know because we didn't get it. True. I, I think my concern is he already is incredibly frail in 2001 when Chamber of Secrets is being filmed. And Order was not filmed until 2006. And not to get way too deep on this episode, but for anyone who has older family members out there, people that they know, when you're when when you're older, like those five years really could be a significant difference. And so my fear would be that I don't know if the dude could like raise his wand convincingly and like not look like a like a light breeze would knock him over. Um and I, I say that with all the respect in the world. I just don't who knows what that five years would have done to him. Um which is why it's a hard question to answer because right, there's a lot still, of unknown. Sure, but we still have the correct answer that Richard Harris is the better Dumbledore. Anywho, Which is kind of what I said. Yeah, fair, fair. I, and, and did I wholly dissent from anything you said? No, I did not. I provided counterpoints to points. I did not. In ways that I have in the past where I've just told people they were wrong, I did not. I, I accepted what you, what you brought to the podcast and you brought, you came with facts. Not really facts so much as evidence from previous episodes, but you came, you, you came with, <laughs> you, you brought stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. Here's a question I have for both of y'all. Um, I, I was thinking about this as you were answering. If I like a character's, because you said that obviously you think of Michael Gambon when you think of Dumbledore. If I like a character, uh, an actor's portrayal, that's how I think of the character. Like for instance, I think of Alan Rickman as Snape, who mm-hmm. is not necessarily the same character that we get in the books for Snape. There's, there's a lot of differences in style and personality and, and a lot of that. However, for characters like Ginny and Dumbledore in particular, I 1000% think of their book, their, you know, their, their written character before I think of their on-screen performance as kind of like the embodiment of the character. I'm curious how y'all feel about that, about that principle. I agree. There, there, 
we all came into this universe, this world with our own version of the characters. Our imaginations were able to run wild with who we, who we, or how we imagine these characters, what they look like, how us reading these books, how they came to life. Um, and then the, once you get the movies, these actors are having to portray this character. But what I visually saw as Jenny may not be the same thing that you visually saw as Jenny. What I visually saw as Harry may not be the same thing that you visually saw as Harry. And so for one person to encompass hundreds of thousands of millions of people who have this idea for these characters, it, it's very hard. Um, so I think that they kind of did the best that they could um, with what they were given. Um, but yeah, I, I totally see there are some people who will forever be that character. Like you said, Snape. I will always view Snape even when I'm rereading. Alan Rickman comes to mind. He's just the picture of Snape. Harry, I do view Harry slightly differently. He does not look like um, Dan Radcliffe to me. I mean, they have kind of similar characteristics, but I think when I visualize Harry as I'm rereading the books, I very much lock into that. He has very messy hair. And in a lot of the movies, they didn't really give Dan the messy hair through, through them all. So I, I agree with you, Stephen. Now, Danny, before you answer real quick, I want you to validate one thing I said before, because I think I do think it's an important point in that I don't just yell until my point is generally accepted as the truth. I have said routinely that I am fine with dissenting opinion so long as dissenting opinion comes with Again, fact valid, is a strong word, but, but valid reason. thought and rationale. Yes. No, yes. As long as you have a reason behind your stance, Stephen doesn't accept the reason, but accepts your reason for choosing. That's why I did a lot of research coming into this. <laughs> <laughs> you knew you had to have the backstory. Yes. <laughs> I think for me... I think it depends because I started reading the books a few years before the movies were even a thing. So I think a lot of people that came in with the movies or were reading them alongside do see those characters. But when I reread, I don't, and I'm a visual person. I don't really see any specific actor. I think Snape is the strongest, but like Hermione to me is not Emma Watson. It's still that character I had in my head when I, read the books like the movies didn't change that for me I don't know if that's because I am a very strong visual person and have an overactive imagination that it's very strong for me and maybe people that aren't as visual place the actors in there because that's just how their brain works but like when you guys were talking about Dumbledore I was like trying to think about when I read the books what Dumbledore I see and there wasn't any of them that was like this is who I see I see aspects of some of them within the character, but not a specific person. Favorite book, least favorite book. So knowing that this question was going to come up, I was like, I'm going to reread all the books before, before I'm on here. And I got through book one. <laughs> and then different things came up. So um, again, having listened to 
multiple people's answers and kind of thinking back, I feel like I really do need to reread before I can give an honest answer to this because my, my default answer has always been three is my favorite, two is my least favorite. Um, but again, listening to everybody, everybody speak, um, I do think that there's aspects in um, Half-Blood Prince that probably would, that would probably make it towards one of my, my top. Um, I think the reason that I dislike two so much is because I just really don't like the movie. Um, and there's, it, it felt like kind of a filler book. Number, number one, book one is always going to be, always going to have a special place because it's the introduction. It's your first glimpse into this world, your first, first introduction to the characters. Book two, it kind of like, again, I feel like I have to reread it, but it just feels like it kind of putzes along until you get to three and then kind of it ramps back up and there's more plot going on. But yeah, that's kind of my default answer, but I really feel like I, I just, I need to reread them all again. I think I think that's ironic. I don't think your your answer is ironic. I think it is ironic that two is widely regarded as people's least one of people's least favorite books. And if my least favorite again, we always reiterate we mean maybe the one you're not coming back to the most doesn't mean that you dislike it necessarily. Um, because and boy, do I wish I'd done more refreshing on this before I brought this up, but. You know, Jason Concepcion on Binge Mode talked a lot about how the books are more or less like this accordion mirror image. And so one and seven have a lot of kind of similarities to them in terms of uh, plot points, symbolism, imagery, two and six, right? And so on and so forth. And so it's weird that six is a book that people tend to really love and two is a book that people don't so much love. Um, but because you're a guest and this is not meant for me just to ramble, the question for you would then be, Full, you know, qualifying with you saying you do want to reread before you give like a fully informed opinion, quote unquote, uh, what is it about three that you love so much? Kind of going back to my favorite character, it's the introduction of Sirius Black. I think that is what kind of grabbed my attention. Also, the whole time turner, time travel, it just, it captivates me. Um, one of the things that I love about um, J.K. Rowling's writing is that there's so much details. There's so many things that she references just offhandedly in book one that comes back later in book five and six. And you're like, wait a minute, I remember that. And that's one of the things that I really, really enjoy. And that's kind of, I'm actually doing this, um, rereading now, um, because I'm reading an, um, an ebook, I'm having the ability to highlight different things. So as different phrases and words and details are popping up, I'm highlighting them um, because I know that they're going to come back into play later down the road. Um, and so I think um, that was what I loved about Prisoner of Azkaban because you get all of that in that one book. When you're first going through how they're, you know, going to visit Buckbeat and then they're, you know, running away um, from the um, Dementors and then Dumbledore's like, hey, three turns, you get to reread that entire portion of the book and as you're rereading it you're like oh I remember when that happened because you literally just read it and I think that's one of the reasons why it's my favorite obviously because Sirius is my favorite and you get a lot of it in that book and you get the Marauders and it's the first introduction to Hogsmeade it's kind of like 
Um, again, book one is your introduction to this world. Book three kind of mirrors that just slightly because it's your introduction into some new characters as well as into Hogsmeade, which is kind of its own little world um, as well. Um, but yeah, the time travel is probably my favorite part of that book. If you were at Hogwarts, who would your friend group be? So I am a Hufflepuff and um, there is a um, cartoon creator. Her name is Emily's Cartoons and she does My Life as a Background Slytherin. And I think that I would be, as much as I would love to hang out with like Harry, Ron and Hermione, because when I read the uh, books the first time um, as a kid, that was like, those are my people. I'm a Gryffindor. Like, fully immersed in the story. Now that I'm older, um, kind of revisiting that world as kind of an objective person. Um, and now knowing that I'm a Hufflepuff um, and really, really embracing that, um, I feel like I would be a background Hufflepuff. Like I don't, like I would just be chilling with my other Hufflepuffs and yeah, I'd be friends with Luna. Yeah. I'd be friends with Neville. Um, we'd hang out, but like, I feel like I would be a background Hufflepuff. All right. Well, I don't think background Hufflepuffs even make it into the books on account of prominent Hufflepuffs barely make it in. And the one who does gets murdered. Um, But I like the answer. The answer is great. I just don't expect to see yourself in those pages anytime soon. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you, how do you say my friend group would be Sally Joe? Sally Joe doesn't have a name. She's background Hufflepuff. Like, how many Hufflepuffs are there? I can't really name my friend group because they would be my fellow Hufflepuffs, which don't have All right, well, proper there's pronouns. The, they're, they're, so, so the ones we get, let's do a little, let's do a little lesson here. We get one who gets petrified. We get one who's incredibly pompous. And we get one who gets murdered. And aren't all three of them men? Correct. Males? And- <laughs> And in the movies, they even add in another Hufflepuff who's technically Cedric Diggory, but it's a different actor. And they decide to basically murder him by electrocuting him in a Quidditch match. So there's not a lot of... Yeah, I think the only female Hufflepuffs that would come to mind were with most people is Hannah Hannah Abbott Abbott and Mm -hmm. Madame... Sprout? Sprout. Sorry, I completely just... (laughs) Our head of house. (laughs) <laughs> well, welcome to a podcast about Harry Potter, Danny. Yeah, boy, we really get shafted in the whole the whole representation. It's fine. It's fine. We have puffs. No other no other house <laughs> has an entire off Broadway play that has a cult following written about it. So there's that. Anywho. And now a soundtrack. And yeah. now I, is that out yet? Mm-hmm. Damn it, I missed that. It's fine. Um, all right. So you listen. You know what's coming up next. Uh, who are your creator shoutouts for the episode? <laughs> I am so ready. So glad you asked. Um, so I have, so I already mentioned Emily's cartoons, um, my life as a background Slytherin. She does all the houses though. Uh, primarily she is a Slytherin. So she, most of her comics are um, about the house of Slytherin, but she does the other four and I just, I love it. Um, she has a shop on Etsy. Um, she does uh, these little tiny booklets um, and she recently released one called like all the flounces and it's just Snape and his, I just, I love it. Um, had to purchase it, had to get it. Um, so Emily's cartoons, um, 
another artist uh, that I really fell in love with. Her name is Naomi Lord. Um, she does uh, little character caricatures of multiple different fandoms, but she does all the houses, um, like the mascots. She does the house founders. She does the golden trio, the silver trio. Um, and I just, I love her art style. And um, every two weeks, she does a giveaway. So you can do, um, if you win, she'll do a character caricature of you as either a witch or as a Hogwarts student with your um, with your familiar. Um, so those are really cool. Um, and then because I know how much Steven loves pins and his new podcast, The Pin Pod, <laughs> um, my favorite pin uh, creator is Muggleborn Sisters. I absolutely love them. Every time that they release a new pin, I pretty much throw my galleons at them, which they posted today um, that they're releasing some fall pins and I pretty much know where my money is going to be going because they're just amazing. So yeah, those are my creator shout outs. They announced today that they're doing a laser brain bean um, as one of their announcements. So mm -hmm. that's insane. Pumpkin. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, which is a nice tie in to one of my three shout outs for the episode, Danny. Count them. One, two, three. So two are tattoo-related. One is just Good People Award for the week, kind of like we gave Gerald the Good People Award the other the other. I think, I think technically it was the Good Dude Award, but it's the Good People Award now. So two tattoo uh, shout-outs. One goes to one of my faves out there. Y'all know her. Y'all have heard her on the podcast. Stina, the incredible brain behind Lisa Brand Pachko, is a tattoo artist, Um her tattoo account, I believe, is T-Wolf, uh, Wolf, W-U-L-F-E. Anywho, I know that once I get up into the Northeast and the pandemic is no longer a thing, she's going to get me some new ink. That's going to be wonderful. Second tattoo shout out goes to Christine of Pins by Christine all the way out in Norway. I was speaking with her the other day and I showed her my little budding Marauders map and I explained to her what I'm doing. And so I told her, Whenever I'm hitting up those fjords, I'm hitting up Christine for a new tattoo. And my third shout out, the Good People Award of the Week goes to Steph at the Bloody Baroness, who filled me in on the fact that there is a Primark in Danbury, Connecticut, aka like 30 to 45 minutes away from where I'm moving, which is nowhere near Nebraska, which is not Maine, which is not where Muddy lives. Those are my three shout outs. Muggle and Khakis, out. All right. Because I'm a slacker, I only have one. But it is going to be wizarding underscore world underscore style. Good friend Eric. I got to meet him in person this past weekend. And he's just a lovely human being. And we had so much fun. And I'm so glad I got to meet him. So before we finish, let's hear where we can find you on the socials. Um, I am M Pinedo nine. Pinedo is P I N E D O. Looks like Pine Dew, but it's just my first initial, last name, and the number nine. I created my Instagram like 2012, and then like didn't really do much with it, and then like I'd post a picture here or there. So. And and fast forward to 2020, and you're a beloved. <laughs> fully ingrained member of the Potter community. Look how things change and time flies. Am I right? Yes, very much so. I thought about changing it, but I'm like, eh, no, I'll just keep it. 
It's Yo, me. I one time said I should change mine to Hufflepuff and khakis, and the people went mad. I mean, look, it wasn't a lot of people, but what few people engaged with me on that question went <laughs> mad. So no, you stick with what you got, Empanado9, that's what we know you as, you know, roll with it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Danny. This was a lot of fun. Wait, well, thanks for having me, Danny? Well, what the hell am I? Danny, Danny, you should release two versions of this episode. One where it's the full episode and one where you cut me out entirely and then it just thanks Danny at the end and just see what it's like. Danny was the one who said thanks for being on. I was waiting for you, Stephen, to be like, hey, engage in the other half of this conversation. Well, now I'm not so sure if I am thankful that you came on. Thanks, Danny. (laughs) I appreciated the lovely dialogue, Stephen, Muglin khakis. This was a true pleasure. Um, no, really, it was. This was fun. It's always great to see your face, be it in an Instagram square or now over Zoom. Um, glad that you seem to be doing well in Omaha, Nebraska, um, which is not Maine. Which is not Maine, <laughs> unless the maps have changed a lot since I last looked. Um, but no, this this was this was really fun. Um, you know, we we obviously do a lot of episodes with people who aren't necessarily here to promote anything, right? But people who have shops or people who have stores or people who have Harry Potter related merchandise, um, which we love doing, obviously. Um, but it's, it's always nice. And we just get to talk to someone for the sake of talking about Harry Potter. Um, and, and those are some of our favorite conversations. So this was a pleasure. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Stephen, for those very kind words. And cut. <laughs> <laughs>